Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Kier Weimer. How you doing, man? Good, doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. So uh, I know today, you know, it's interesting times. We're all going through uh, some unprecedented uh, situations right now. So I want to dive into that. But for the people that don't know who you are and what you do in real estate, take a brief second to kind of introduce yourself and tell everybody what it is that you do. Sure. Well, for one, thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here, uh, RJ, and uh, talk with the audience today. So. My background quick, I, I guess I'd characterize myself as a real estate and lifestyle entrepreneur. I own several um, seven-figure businesses in, in the space uh, from luxury brokerage team to um, investment to a hospitality company with hotels and resorts that we own. Um, and um, probably my thing I'm most excited about now is my multimedia company where I'm uh, building programs, um, coaching, mentoring, digital course. Uh, we just launched a book, podcast, things like that to basically take what I've learned and what I know and share it with the world to empower and equip others to, to do similar things. So that's that's the 32nd. <laughs> so uh, quite a bit of knowledge and experience and wisdom there uh, in that brief 30 seconds. So uh, I just want to dive into the hot topic that, you know, it, it's on everybody's minds right now with what's going on with, you know, COVID-19. And, you know, it's, it's become this uh, touchy subject where, you know, some people want to know, is this real? Is it as serious as it is? But the one thing that nobody can argue is, is that the impact that it's having on our economy right now. So from your perspective, someone that's running multiple seven figure businesses, what are some of the pivots that you're currently taking in those businesses to kind of accommodate what's happening right now? Sure. Yeah. Great question. I think we're all kind of still four to five weeks after this really started to hit the U S right. In terms of like realizing the level of the magnitude of the problem are still adjusting. Right. I think, um, a day feels like a week. I think yeah. all, you know, this last month felt like three. Um, but we have a unique opportunity now, perhaps arguably the best since the Great Recession, to really be working on the future, working on ourselves, working on our businesses or our careers so that we can kind of level up and become stronger from this, right? From yep. this trying, challenging time, we don't need to cower and shrink. I really think we need to step up and lead, right? And to do that, it takes a few different things, right? It starts with developing a really strong and ironclad growth mindset, right? Where you can see beyond the hurdles and the challenges of today, right? What's going to come after this? What's going to be the new normal? Because mm -hmm. um, we're not returning, I hate to say it, to life and markets like they were right. just a couple of months ago. We're going to be in a new market and in a new world order, right? And so it's how we respond and adapt to that and prepare for it now that will determine who really succeeds and rises after this um, so what we're doing is we're focusing on, one, developing and sustaining a strong mindset, two, finding ways to survive, and three, focusing on ways to thrive, right? So by surviving, the second point would be, obviously, from a business standpoint, finding ways that you can quickly reduce or eliminate um, unnecessary expenses because mm -hmm. we can control our cost structure. We can't control our revenues right now, right? So we're on right. pause. We're waiting for things to kind of, you know, get started, hopefully, in the next one to two months. Um, because we're the first week in April here, right? And we're really five weeks 
into well, four weeks into social distancing and kind of a, a almost a national sit still kind of stay at home order. Um, and you know, there's things we can do on that survive category, not just cutting expenses, but um, finding ways to do our business differently, right? So for us in real estate, which is a contact sport, right? Especially in brokerage, uh, we're just realizing the benefits and the value of things like Zoom, like we're on now. So we're able to do virtual. We just got um, close to a million dollar listing from somebody we never met who's sitting in Florida on Zoom and we're going to list a waterfront property up in New York with my brokerage team. Boom. That's Again. awesome. Never met, facilitated it, met over Skype or over Zoom and mm-hmm. made it happen. So we can also, you know, if you're in um, the investment side, there's ways also to obviously be processing deals, you know, looking at markets, um, having maybe a broker do a virtual walkthrough with a phone and a FaceTime. Yep. You can still do your business. You just have to get creative about it, right? And do it differently and safely. Um, and then the third category, how we thrive now, is like I mentioned, like really seize this opportunity to work on yourself, like build new skills, sharpen existing ones, take that digital course, double down on mentoring and coaching, you know, find a way to, uh, to you know, to build that new idea into a business plan, right? Just do things that can advance your career, right? Because now we do have more time at home and it could be challenging for many out there with kids. I get it. Time management, balancing all of that in the household, yeah. in the, you know, the, the home so much, but there are ways to do it, right? Get up earlier, go to sleep a little later, time block, you know, talk with your significant other, protect and safeguard time where you can really enrich your mind with positive ideas, new skills, and new strategies for the future. So that's kind of what we're doing. Obviously, that's a broader overview. We're right. you know, more tactical, obviously, in each business, whether it be our investment side, hospitalities. Ooh, this is a good story for your audience. Real quick. Um, if, if anybody is concerned about the credit markets out there and getting loans for deals, mm-hmm. uh, even in the hardest hit real estate sector right now, hospitality, you know what? People are still lending. We just got approved in three days with no questions asked on a hotel loan with the SBA. Nice. Um, literally, no questions asked. I thought they were going to be putting all resources toward disaster. <laughs> right. You know, the CARES Act, getting out money for existing businesses. No. They're like, oh, you want to buy a hotel? How much money do you need? Right. So, <laughs> Here's the thing, if you have um, confidence in the future and returning to this, it doesn't change my calculus on the deal at all. I'll probably retrade the interest rate, try to get a, you know better terms on the loan. But nonetheless, like we're moving forward business as usual because I know things will return and it's not going to be years, it's going to be months. So that's my confidence in the future. And there's a lot of great programs out there. The SBA just found out too for my lender rep is offering six months of free, insane free payments and interest on new loans. So I basically can get into this loan next month and owe nothing until the fourth quarter. It's crazy. Right? So I, I want to go back to that second point you made about locking up that listing for a million dollars through Zoom. Yeah. That's something that we just had to do recently in a similar fashion. Um, we have a listing here in Dallas okay. and we originally listed it for $500,000. Now, unfortunately for us, when we bought it, that market was flying off the shelves, right? Yeah. And the first correction that we saw here in Dallas, Texas was the uh, $350,000 to $700,000 price point. That just kind of died. I mean, it just stopped, right? And yeah. nobody really talked about it because the lower end stuff was still multiple offers above asking, you know, yeah. it was still super hot. And so we, we sat on this listing for over a year. I've never had a listing go over a year. And I mean, we tried everything, you know, I mean, 
We have beautiful, we have the whole house staged, um, yeah. multiple open houses, had different brokers host open houses. And it was just, look, yeah. every time it just wasn't the right fit for the buyers. Yeah. And we, we got a call last week from a potential buyer in San Antonio mm -hmm. and they're relocating to Dallas. And they said, look, we don't feel comfortable traveling from San Antonio to Dallas to go walk houses. Yeah. Is there any way that you could give us a floor plan? And what we said was, is, yeah, how would you feel about a virtual tour? And they said, oh my God, we, we wouldn't have even asked for that because we didn't think you would do it, but that would be amazing. Yeah. So we went out there with our videographer, Dutch Jackson, that we use for all of our videography. Yeah. Love it. And we did a virtual tour. We made it super professional. Now, here's the funny part about this. We sent this video to these buyers and then they kind of went silent. But we got a showing the next day from a realtor who was previewing for her buyers. Yep. And we sent her the virtual tour and they ended up contracting the house and now we're under contract with them. It, it's all about pivoting, right? Like totally. a virtual tour is not something that we would have ever thought of yeah. you know, three weeks ago. But now it's like, hey, I get it. You don't want to drive from San Antonio to here because, hey, it's a danger to your health. That's how you feel then what can we do to sell this house? We need to sell this house more than anything. So we, we had to change our mindset and take a little bit more activity to your point, wake up earlier, go to sleep later. Like, Hey, yep. it's been the easiest market ever to do business in. Right. So now it's, it's finally gotten to the point where, Hey, a lot of us were asking for this, right? We were yeah. wanting some kind of a correction here. Yep. We are now, how are you going to react? So I want to talk a little bit on the brokerage side of things. So you said, you know, you're a luxury brokerage. That's how you kind of, you know, label yourself. Yep. What are you seeing right now as far as your listings, your showings? Sure. Has there been any impact? I, I know you're in New York with the luxury brokerage. I, I am assuming yep. you guys are getting hit a little bit harder than some of the other markets. So how is that performing so far? Yeah, good question, RJ. And then also great stories to illustrate that point. Um, so, we're primarily on the brokerage side based in upstate New York. So we're away from the epicenter okay. kind of what happened in the crisis. I do have a place in an office in Manhattan, which is more focused on the multimedia and investment stuff. But upstate, our brokerage is based up in Saratoga Springs, horse country by the capital. Um, and we typically do a lot of vacation homes, uh, waterfront, equestrian, ski homes, yep. executive homes, you name it, right? Luxury, second and third vacation homes primarily. Um, our average price is generally over seven figures, but we have you know a handful under. Um, what we're seeing now is a certainly a reluctance on the list side, not knowing if there will be buyers. So wondering if this is still the time when they were thinking about listing in the second quarter of the spring going into the summer, which is our busiest season. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to counsel our the uh, lady I just talked to you about on why it is important to get out there ahead of the other ones mm -hmm. and be positioned really attractively to snag the buyers that are out there because people are still looking. We've gotten inquiries and calls from, you know, affluent people um, and all the way down the, the wealth ladder for um, a little bit more demand on places in remote locales, you know, where it's in the mountains, clean air away from cities. Um, because here's the thing, this will happen again, right? Now we know as a country, we're going to have to be much more prepared. And um, as a people, we're, we're also finding contingency plans, right? To, to get our families into safer places should this happen if you're released from the big cities. Um, so I, I see a demand over time uptaking a little bit for that, but I think in the near term, it's going to be painful. I think yeah. we have really challenging, you know, year in terms of what it, compared to what it was last year. 
And, and, and for the first time in a long time, right, for the people like you that have this knowledge of a very specific market, like you talk about Saratoga. I'm, yep. I'm a horse racing fan, so nice. I know about Saratoga. You know. So, uh, you know, you have to look at the impact that this is having, having on the industry like horse yeah. racing, right? Totally. Because that's, that's a lot. That's a big deal in Saratoga. Am I right? Totally. Yeah, and it's the demand driver for a lot of the second homes here. So 100%. So like where you are in your market, try to think of like where are your big demand drivers coming from, right? And then how can you tailor a plan, both a communication plan and a marketing plan to still speak to them, to speak to their pain points, their motivations, their concerns in a way that attracts them to you so you can still do business even if it takes longer, right? Even if it is for a lower price point, but this is still a relationship business and you can still form and develop and cultivate relationships by zoom like we're doing right now. Right. So I encourage people to do that, to think outside the box. Right. And to also realize that now actually there's going to be more creative ways to finance deals. Like I just said, there's more liquidity being pumped in the system by the federal government, right? The fed as well as fiscal policy and the cares act and other things. Um, there's also other loan programs that are being rolled out because they don't want to see credit dry up. So, more and more people I think will be using that where they might've been a cash buyer. Maybe they borrow 50% now or, you know, even 80% or whatever to buy properties that they might've bought with cash. So there are kind of ways to be getting deals done still. So, and here's a, a very specific question I want to ask about what are you seeing with your current listings? You talked a little bit about, you know, the, the people that you're trying to convince to get on the market or is this yep. the right time or not time? What about the listings that are on the market? Because what we've seen so far, and this is through Missouri, Mississippi, Texas, Alaska, and Hawaii. So five different states that are all across the country, right, in different locations. Out of all the listings that we've had, only two are still on the market through all of this. And everything else has gone under contract, still closed on time. You yeah. know, appraisals have not been a problem. What are you seeing in that regard? Yeah, good question. Um, we're, we also have three deals under contract right now. And we, I would say a similar story to what you just said. Um, obviously, the, the, the pace and strength of demand on the new listing side um, is, is not there. And it usually starts to pick up now coming out of the winter up here. Right. Um, and I don't think it will be there for a little, a little while just based on what we talked about. But you know, I think it would, I would agree. It's been largely business as usual until about two or three weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I almost feel like I'm living in two different worlds where it's like, I list a house and then it's like, this is exactly the same way it was like a month ago. You know, yeah. it's like we get multiple offers and then we go on a contract and they're highly yeah. motivated. And a lot of times of what I'm seeing is, is people are wanting to capitalize on the low interest rates. Yep. And, and then from another perspective, I do a lot of podcasts, webinars, talking to other investors. And now we're the ones that are worried. You know, we're the ones that are like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like yeah. the world's ending. And I'm like, yeah, but not yet. Like things, yeah. are, things are still moving. And I, and I know that there's eventually going to be like a, a change here. Do you, when do you anticipate, you know, the retail listing starting to slow down? Is that something in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, when do you foresee that change happening? I, I think it's going to be a, 
like I mentioned, a tough second quarter. I think it's going to be an adjustment, a lot of waiting in to see how things shuffle out medically with our handle of the virus spread, which we are seeing really encouraging signs over the last few days. So you think we're already there, around. though? You think, think we're already, like, the beginning of the change? We're in the beginning, yeah. I think we're in the very early stages. Um, I think, though, when you look at the encouraging signs medically on a lot of things with infection rates, you know, um, the the death rate and some of the new uh, new case and hospitalization rates in New York and other uh, centers of the outbreak, it's actually encouraging over the last three or four days. It's what, April 7th today? Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, it's hard to really state that that's a trend or that we're hitting the, the peak, but I will say it's encouraging. You know what else is encouraging? The market being up almost 8% yesterday to start right. the week. And today, futures before they started the market open, we're up another 800 points in the Dow. So to think that we might in two days have close to 10% recovery. And then if you look at what we lost since this, since the height of the market, which was what, early part of March or end of mm-hmm. February, um, we're not all that far off given the craziness of this time and given how everything is paused. You know what that tells me? Is that investors are baking in confidence in the turnaround already. Right. right. They can see the end already. They can see us grappling and getting a hold of this and beating it. And that is encouraging. So if I can say anything, look for signs of encouragement and positivity because there are a lot out there. And don't just read the headlines and go down the hole of, oh, my God, the world's ending. Right. You know, I had a, a guest on uh, yesterday that I interviewed, uh, Stephen Morris, and he said something that I thought was was brilliant. Uh, he said a lot of things that were brilliant. He owns over 700 doors. And uh, he said uh, he feels like what we're going through is like 2008, but in a different way. Obviously, it's a much different cause. But what he's talking about is we're going to have a massive drop, but then we're going to have a massive rise. But instead of it being over the course of several years, it's going to be over the course of like several months. We're going to yeah. crash hard and then rise right back up. And I thought that was pretty brilliant because I haven't heard anybody really say it that way, but it really feels that way, doesn't it? I mean, it's like it's like everybody kind of hit the panic button and it's like, what are we going to do? And yeah. now I already see, like you're saying, the optimism of like, hey, we're going to come out of this, you know, like a roaring tiger, you know? I couldn't agree more with that because here's the thing. What's different between now and 10 years ago, the Great Recession, is that we don't have like systemic underlying like issues. Exactly. With so yeah. we don't have like this crazy over leverage in the you know mortgage and subprime markets. We don't have all of this like just households being like to their you know top in debt. What we have is an unexpected global pandemic that we will get our hands around and then move forward. So I think what's going to be painful in the short run is the unemployment, largely for the uh, service-based workers and others that were hit the hardest. So that's going to be tough. GDP is going to be tough in the second quarter. But I think for all those reasons we just said the pent-up demand and the ability and the desire for people wanting to get back to work because they're just sick of being at home now. Mm-hmm. It's like when we get that order and that green light, which I think is going to be gradual through May into June and then into the summer, um, I agree. I think this is going to be like a several month, like a 6 to 12 or hopefully not 18-month recovery, not one that takes years like the Great Recession. Well, and, and think about that. Let's talk about the unemployment for a second here. Doesn't that feel very temporary? I mean, it's like yeah. when that comes back around, all of these companies are going to have to hire these people back on just to, to totally try to handle the demand that's going to be there. I mean, yeah. imagine how many people, I mean, I, I see it all the time. People are like, I can't wait to go travel. 
Yeah. Like, I can't, I never thought that there would be a point in time in my life where I just, I couldn't go somewhere or do something or go to a restaurant. I mean, yeah. think about how busy the restaurants are going to be. I mean, I, I don't know about you, man. I can't wait to get a freaking haircut. I mean, I'm I bald. And I can't wait to get a haircut. I know. I'm getting long here. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I think I'm there's afraid. going to be so many different aspects of our lives that when this, when the light gets turned back on, and I agree, I think it has to be gradual or we're just going to put ourselves right back in the same situation, right? This is, yeah. it's a virus. Like, it's not going to go away completely. So it's still going to be there. Uh, but I think it's going to be gradual. I think a lot of us are going to go right back to, to, you know, trying to just appreciate all of the things that we took for granted for so much. And yeah. you, know, you talked about mindset from from the start, you know, and I think that's so important because – Look, it's easy to preach mindset, but it's another thing to live it during times like this. So what are some of the things that you're doing today to kind of keep that positivity? And what are you talking yeah. to, how are you talking to your teams about, you know, keeping that positive mind frame? Yep. So that's a great question. I'll give a couple quick takeaways that I think your audience could benefit from. One is you got to start with the, the inputs, right? Because our outputs are directly, um, you know, impacted by our inputs, meaning we have to be putting the right information, the right positivity, the podcast, the books, the people that uplift and support us being positive leaders and not the opposite, right? That's step one. Step two is developing the courage to be out there and be a leader and a thought leader now, to not shrink and cower, but to rise and stand up and face the challenge, meaning be out there on social media, be on Facebook Lives, be on Zooms with your um you know, your teams and your employees and your colleagues and your family and friends and be talking about this in ways that is conscientious, sensitive, and what it means for them, right? So just be a leader. Don't be, you know, if you're in sales, obviously it's not a good time to be prospecting, but it is a good time to reach out to prospects and see how they're doing, right? Right. And, you know, support them and see how you can help them if there's anything you can do. So be a leader, which means rise to the challenge, right? So that's another one. Um, and then I would say, just healthy habits and routines, right? So for me, having to cultivate new uh, workout routines and exercise because I don't have access to any gym like most of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm running more, more calisthenics. I'm doing, you know, more core work. I've got my trainer sending me adapted, you know, trainings each week, knowing that I have access to little to nothing besides an ab roller and a pull-up bar on a door uh, in my place. So, you know, you got to get, you got to get creative and then watch what you eat, right? Because to maintain a healthy mindset and high levels of energy, we need to be really mindful of what we're putting in our bodies too, right? Absolutely. So, you know, for that, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just managing your diet. It's not having a lot of, you know, sugars and carbs and, and spikes of energy throughout the day. It's just trying to eat right, get enough protein, uh, drink a lot of water. For me, one of my goals this year is just to, you know, among other little routine things and improvements because little things over time can make a big difference is drinking mm -hmm. a gallon of water a day, which is a lot of water. And it's actually hard you have to really be intentional about it. So I create simple five calendar reminders at you know three or four hour intervals in the day to drink water. And what do I do? I go drink water or right now, because I love sparkling water, I'm drinking sparkling water. <laughs> but um, you know, things like that. So just like be intentional about cultivating a positive space and a positive mindset. Yeah, and I I think that's very important that you said there, you know, be thoughtful leaders and be intentional about it and putting yourself out there, right? I mean it's very easy for us to cower at the face of, of what we're facing, right? I mean, there's a lot of people, yeah. let's just be real. There's a lot of people right now that are worried that they're going to lose their business, Yeah. right? And, and that's that's a reality. 
But here's the thing, as an entrepreneur, that should have been a reality that you were facing every single day. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know why. And I know this sounds crazy and it almost sounds borderline insensitive. But this whole situation has reinvigorated my spirit as an entrepreneur because I'm like, this is when we're supposed to, this is game time. Like this is when we're supposed to step up and, and make something happen. And, and, you know, I, I, I read, I heard a story about, um, I can't remember his name, but it, he was Hershey, the, the gentleman that started Hershey chocolate. Yeah. And, and during the great recession in the twenties, you know, sales were, were plummeting because nobody wanted candy. Yeah. And, and he went in and he basically changed the marketing plan where he said, look, we're going to add nuts to this. And we're going to talk about the benefits of protein and that we're super cheap. It's only five cents to get a Hershey's bar. And yeah. they had record breaking sales during the great depression of the twenties because he pivoted and changed his marketing plan. So I agree with what you're talking about right there. Like now's not the time to, to be doing the same cold calling script or text script that you were doing a month ago. Yeah. Now's the time to be reaching out and asking, you know, how are you doing? Um, yep. Reaching out to the, the, the previous people. I thought this was such a brilliant idea that Alex Pardo had a couple of weeks ago. He told me, I am now reaching out to all of the previous homeowners that declined our offers. And I'm asking, are you now, are you interested now in selling because due to what's changed? Because look, there are people that now that might not have been motivated a month ago, but now are saying, man, there's nothing more in this world that I want to do than sell my house just so I can have enough income to feed my kids. Smart. You know? And so it's just a different story and, and, and pitch to your people, right? We don't buy houses. We solve people's problems. So I think that's a huge thing. Um, what are some of the other steps that you're taking as far as like communicating to your team specifically, right? Because this is, this is so important that our team stay motivated during this time because their, their income's being impacted just as much as ours. Right. And without them, we're nothing. So how are you communicating to your team? Like through those zoom calls and the virtual meetings that you're having? Yeah, we're, you know, we're just doubling down on working on the business. So we're taking a lot of training stuff, uh, courses to a next level. We're, you know, investing in, in a couple different um, programs where we were waiting on because we have more time now. I just spent, you know, the weekend doing probably 10 hours of video training for um, new front end um, uh, Facebook advertising at a new level that we're going to be rolling out. Um, Love it. So we're doing things like that. Uh, we're, you know, again, like the things I just recommended, I'm really trying to be a leader to my uh, team members on what they can do personally, professionally to really seize this time. And use let me it. ask you, let me ask you a question. I, I want you to be as transparent as possible. Yeah. How long has that training that you just did been on your to-do list? Uh, several months since. Right, you know, right. It was yeah. something you were always putting off because you yeah. just made, I don't have time for it, right? Yeah. Business That's is flowing. We got to take care of this this is an opportunity for us to literally slow down to go faster. So I, I, that's why I wanted to ask you that because yeah, no, it's, it's the case, you know, I mean, yep. we're doing the exact same thing, right? The employees aren't here. So what do we do? We have mm-hmm. to virtually train them, which yeah. is something we've always wanted to do. So I love that idea that now is the time to get those items taken care of at this point in time. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you, but no, I, I just want to point that out. Totally agree. And I think also then just working on how can you anticipate nobody really knows if they say they do, they're 
they're lying, but how the market and the world will change. We, we have an idea of how it will, but it's so early for mm-hmm. to really see. But again, like it, in terms of, you know, to switch gears more on the, the investment side of real estate, what that's going to mean. I mean, that's going to be very, like real estate always is very local in terms of how markets are affected. For instance, I've been reading a lot about the office market, you know, in Houston and in other Texas cities and how it's just getting decimated. And look at the REITs that are, you know, uh, the REIT sector of the market and how it's fallen significantly um, faster and farther than the broader market mm-hmm. on index. I think the way people work is going to change, meaning the demand for a large open office space is not going to be what it might have been because we're realizing now when we've been forced to, we've adapted to working remotely at home and maybe many employers, I don't know, will say, hey, you know what, why don't we continue this and save on our office costs and our lease costs. So that for landlords, for big leads, is going to be a huge, huge issue and threat. And they're going to have to decide on how to adjust to that. And hospitality, that's going to change as well in terms of how people are traveling for how long and when and how they're spending their money and time, right, in a safe way. So I think that's going to take a little while for me why it didn't change my calculus and investment thesis on this newest hotel I'm buying was that we're like a several hour drive from major Northeast uh, metros, New York City, Boston, Philly, upstate cities. You don't have to take a flight to get there. Um, It's in the mountains, clean air and safe. Um, It's by a ski mountain. It's by a bunch of lakes and a river. There's all these activities. So if you're looking for a break and respite from like this crazy spring cabin fever, um, or just to get away from the city and the threat, if that still looms, we think we're going to be a good destination for that, right? So that it's it's just how you the lens through which you view these, um, and then how you adapt your business model to changing dynamics and market forces that are still yet to be fully known. I love what you just said, man. That was brilliant about the fact that how many businesses are now going to change how they conduct their business due to this they're going to come out and say hey you know what like six months ago we were kind of dumb with all this overhead that we had we didn't actually need to have all that overhead let's let's lower those overhead expenses because look i mean it how many how many large corporations are going to look at this and say we want to be better prepared if this happens again or something similar to this happens exactly Uh, because you know this hit everybody completely unexpectedly. So I, I think that's pure brilliance. And then as far as the hospitality industry, let's talk about, about that a little bit. So, you know, what, obviously everything's been pretty much on a standstill for you at this point, right? Yeah. We had to close down, um, you know, properties and furlough employees and, you know, we've applied for the PPP program um, to be able to pay our, um, employees while we're closed so we're confident that we'll get some federal money which is great but yeah it's tough you know it's it's totally closed luckily it's a shoulder season for us so it's a quieter time to begin with but we obviously want to take care first and foremost of our employees and our you know debt service and and other important um, expenses so we we anticipate later this month to be able to get an infusion from the federal government based on the cares act um, but yeah it's very much the same thing it's where close down safety first work on the business prepare for the summer, how do we continue to market in a way that's conscientious, sensitive, but also um, you know, allows us to stay in the conversation and be visible. So we're working on things um, you know, to, to send out email communications, uh, social media posts, um, some plans and discounting probably for the summer to incentivize people financially 
um, to still travel and make the drive up. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing now. And we'll do some other physical plant stuff, you know, when the weather breaks, which it finally has, we'll do some of those projects, you know, around the property. We'll get some of our employees back and even us owners will, will put on the boots, the wellies and the, you know, they'll get the rakes and we'll go, you know, do what we do on spring cleanup. Cause I mean, we got some time now and we can save some money by doing that. Well, that's what I was about to say. I mean, just from a purely like the real estate side of things, I mean, you also have to do maintenance on the buildings themselves. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not like just because you're shut down, you don't have to maintain the building. Yeah, exactly. Open up opportunities for you, just like you can do the virtual training now for some of your other employees. Yeah. Open up the opportunity to do some maintenance to the building that maybe otherwise during you know business as usual you couldn't. Yeah. You know, in in that regard, let's talk about when you know, say at the end of April here, and, and you know, President Trump comes on and says, "Hey, we you know we want to turn on the economy again." What do you see as far as travel? You think it's going to be this slow progression, or do you think there's going to be a boom and people just trying to get out from the cabinet fever that you said? I think it's going to be slow. I think it's going to be gradual. I think it's going to be based on families and people's, you know, propensity and aptitude for, you know, a perceived risk out there, right? Right. Because so, everybody's on a different point on that spectrum. Um, and I think once things are relieved with, you know, federal and state guidance, local guidance on restrictions, social distancing, you will start to see the early adopters run out into the streets and then you'll start to see more and then you'll start to see more and then you'll start to see older people um, feeling safe and coming out. But that's going to take months, I think, right? That's going to be a gradual thing. I just, you know, we all hope it's, you know, two, three, four months and not, you know, much more than that. But absolutely. It remains to be seen, but I do think it'll be gradual. It won't just be, a, you know, our leaders get up there and say, okay, we're releasing and easing things, and then everybody just storms out. Well, and I want to go back to, you know, you talked about mindset in the beginning, and then you talk about on your, you know, the, the hotel side of things and then the tourist side of things that, or the hospitality side of things, that, yep. that you know, this CARE Act had a, a major impact on your life. From a mindset perspective, where were you mentally in between the start of this, when this became reality? And, and to me, I always say it became reality when the NBA came out and they, and they were like, hey, we're stopping games tonight. And then the next morning, it's like we can't, you know, suspended the season. Yep. That feels like what, when I know it's crazy that sports kind of led the charge here, but it really felt that way when, you know, the NBA and then March Madness and everything followed suit. Where were you at mentally between that and then finally the federal government coming out and saying, here's the CARE Act and here's how we're going to help take care of business? Yeah, well, when you say that, I, when that exact happened, that announcement happened, I was on a mountain in Bale skiing in Colorado. And I was like, oh, shit, the world is changing. Because right. all this stuff that you never would have thought was happening was happening by the second. Things were right. changing by the hour. So I went back to the hotel, you know, got on my laptop, right, started like, doing, you know, what I could to assure teams, right, to communicate with advisors, to see, like, what we really could anticipate what was going to happen. And we couldn't, right, because it kept changing. The markets were reeling. Everybody was, like, in panic mode that first week in March. And I was nowhere close to my businesses on the East Coast. So that was challenging. But I realized that it was probably safer out there to let this thing kind of, you know, um, develop and manage everything remotely because that was going to be – the new norm I realized pretty quickly. So what I did is I stayed out there 
between Colorado and Utah for almost two weeks in the beginning part of this in March. Um, and really just, again, was trying to be a leader from afar and, you know, take care of first things first. And it was challenging though, because then a few days later, they closed all the resorts, all the ski mountains out West. And you're like, okay, if I can't be on a mountain in the middle of the wilderness, nowhere <laughs> near people like, wow, this is serious. So right then I was like, I got to get home. So I found a safe way to, you know, fly home quickly. And I, I went back and I've been here for, you know, almost three weeks tomorrow, probably. So that's where I was. It was definitely tough in the beginning of, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, sugarcoat this. I, I didn't in the first couple of days have the strongest mindset because I was worried and I was panicking a little and I was fear driven because all I saw was that things changing by the hour, the markets were really, I was losing money by the second. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening to the world right now? Literally a few days ago, things were fine. So I definitely had to pivot and rebound from that and get to a place of strength and, and, and um, leadership, which I did. It just took a day or two. <laughs> You know what, and, and I don't blame you. You know, I mean, I think we were all feeling a little bit of panic. I'm my whole life, for whatever reason, anytime I feel pain, I laugh. I don't know why. I mean, when it's extremely painful, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, if like, yeah. you know, I I stub a toe or something, I laugh like I just heard the funniest joke in the world. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. And sometimes when I feel emotional pain, I crack jokes. And and that my my joke that I kind of cracked the, when this all was happening, I was like these are like the first 10 episodes of the walking dead that they didn't show before the zombies took over the world. That's what I felt like we were living in. That's you know? so true. I made references to that too. I was like, literally things are turning into Atlanta and the walking dead. Exactly. I mean, that's what it felt like. It was like, what do you mean? No basketball, no, like no March madness. I was like, I mean, I know this whole thing's been going around and stuff, but it's like, man, this, the world not now it's like, you can't go out. You can't go to restaurants. You know, six feet apart from everybody, and it's like, what is happening right now? Like, I know. You know it, and then it was like, holy cow! Okay, now I'm a business owner, not just a person. And how is this going to impact our business? So yeah, I mean, especially for you being in the hospitality industry, I mean that, yeah, that had to to hit home and and test that mindset that you talked about. But I appreciate you being transparent about that, man. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it's hard to talk about those things sometimes, but. Hey, that's why we do podcasts, right? It's not always about good things. It's about how, how we show, overcome the bad times. So and show show yeah, exactly the path and the journey, which is obviously for any entrepreneur or independent contractor or even career professional, there's a lot of challenge and failure before the success, right? Right. Well, hey, I know you have a meeting that you need to get to, so I want to get your final thoughts before we sign sure. off here. But I want to make a promise to you, man. You're you're an awesome guest. I don't feel like this was fair to you that this whole interview was about the, the coronavirus and how we're overcoming it. So when we come out the other end of this, I want to bring you back on. I know you've got an incredible story to share yeah, and, and specifically about mindset and how you've overcome, you know, trials and tribulations in your life to get yep. to where you are to owning multiple seven figure businesses that uh, I'm confident are going to continue to thrive on the other side of this. So I want to bring you back on on the other side of this, but, what are your final thoughts before we sign off? Sure. Um, I appreciate that, RJ. And, and hopefully your, your audience got some, some things that were helpful and inspiring today. Um, I would say this, you know, let's all focus on the things we can control, right? And let the other things in the world that sometimes seem chaotic fall into place because they always do. The thing is, we as a people and a culture, a society in the U.S. and as a global culture have been through far worse. We've made it through 
crazy hard wars, natural disasters, famine, all kinds of things, and we've made it out the other end. So just realize that we're going to do that too. This too will pass and we'll be stronger for it. We'll be able to better prepare for when this happens again, which it will, and we'll be able to adapt and live in a new world where we're probably placing safety at a higher priority than we did before. So focus on the things you can control, develop and sustain a positive mindset, and adapt, survive, and then set yourself up to thrive in this new world once we emerge from it. Do it in that order and you'll be in a great position. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for everything that you share with us, the full transparency about how you've been dealing with this situation. Guys, that's our episode for this week. If you enjoyed it and you're listening on iTunes, remember we only accept five-star ratings. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.